I want to talk to you about a subject I have spoken on a few times about um, the Bible itself, the book itself, broader picture. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to go to three different places. Jude chapter 1, verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That is, our groups, one of our, our independent Baptist Bible-believing group, one of their favorite verses. We believe one of our responsibilities is to contend for sound doctrine, to contend for the faith. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Well, would the God, he finds us interceding for our country. I hope he has. Psalm 94, 16 says, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Who's going to go? It's just us. As people say, it's just us-ins. When a Soviet, I'm going to read this to get it right. When a Soviet official was asked by a study why, why a study of the Bible was frowned upon in his country, here's what he said. And why those, by the way, who dared even print the Bible, distribute it back, in, back when it was Iron Curtain, were severely punished. He said, we find that the reading of the book changes people in a way that is dangerous to our own state. Even the world knows if you read the Bible, it'll change you. So, what's stopping you? The evil one, the flesh, and the world. That's the three things that you stand against. You know, you're gonna, and that's what, think about what tries to keep you out of the Bible. And so, during World War II, when the Nazis occupied a new territory, they immediately placed all Christians in concentration camps. Especially if they made public comments about the Word of God. They found that those who clung to the Bible would not compromise their faith or yield to the edicts of the godless dictator. They already knew that they had a higher authority that they answered to. So authoritarianism is in opposition to born-again believers because who's our authority? Ah, there's nobody else, nobody above him. I mean, if our government comes in and says, you gotta, you got to deny Christ's resurrection, what are you going to do? Or you don't get to buy or sell. You don't get to have food. What are you going to do? Well, you already know. You're going to be loyal. You're going to do what, you're going to do what Job 13, 15 says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I may starve to death, but I'm not going to deny the one who bought me with his blood. The Bible's powerful. I, I love this uh, illustration here. It says, a story of an old college professor who visited the Fiji Islands. Being, being an agnostic, he critically remarked to the elder chief, you're a great leader, but it's a pity you've been taken in by those foreign missionaries. They only want to get rich through you. No one believes the Bible anymore. People are tired of the th threadbare story of Christ dying on a cross for sins of mankind. They know better now. I'm sorry you've been so foolish to accept their story. The old chief's eyes 
flashed as he spoke to this man. He said, see that great rock over there? On it we smashed the heads of our victims. Notice the, the uh, furnace next to it. In that furnace, in that oven, we formerly, we would formerly, before we got became Christians, roasted the bodies of our enemies. If it hadn't been for those good missionaries and the love of Jesus that changed us from cannibals into Christians, you'd never leave this place alive. We would be having supper on you. Another one I want to read you before we get going. A woman. Of ten, uh, a woman had often been urged by Christians not to receive the Lord. In spite of their persistent effort, she continued to harden her heart. One day, she threw, uh, she threw into the blazing fireplace a Bible and several tracts someone had given her. One of the leaflets fell out of the flames, so she cast it back in again. A second time it slipped down, and once more she put it back again. Against her evil intentions, her evil intentions were frustrated a third time. However, part of it finally became scorched. She began to burn, and she left. She said, "Surely, surely, the devil must be in that paper, for it will not burn." Out of curiosity, she began to read that partially destroyed track, uh, piece of tract that she found the next morning. And being a message on salvation, it brought a deep conviction to her soul, and she trusted. Christ is her Savior from that half-charred piece of Bible. The Bible is powerful. Never, ever, ever under... If we have a sin, it's that we don't respect the Bible for what it is. We don't understand the power of the Word of God. How do I know that's because if you believed in the power, and I believe in the power, we, we will use the power. Right? If if you that's people say, why do you still go door to door, door to door, door to door? They've quit doing that years ago. I say because of the power of God, the Bible. Door to door, people once in a while allow us to give them the Bible. Well, but what if they don't react? Doesn't make any difference. We got to give the Bible. That's like giving somebody. That's like uh, well, I don't want to say this. That's probably not very popular. It's like giving somebody COVID. But I mean. It's, uh, It's like giving somebody something they can't ever get away from. You can make us, you can quote a verse of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will take that and run that over in their mind. Over, I, I can't tell how many testimonies through the years I've read, illustrations I've read of people who heard one verse, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let that go. And eventually, they just gave and say, "God, I trust you. I trust you. Power of the Bible." Get it every, get it out there, everywhere you can. Distribute it out. Why do you leave gospel tracts? Because we know that they're the power of God under salvation if people will read them. How many testimonies do you have to hear before you believe that gospel tracts work? Gospel tracts don't work. The Bible works. And wherever you put it, whether it's on a piece of paper or written, it's powerful. The issue... Let me go here. The Bible is clear what it says. The issue is whether you believe it or not. There's really no confusion. The issue is not evolution. The issue is the Bible. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
In Exodus 20, verse 11, for six days the Lord made heaven and earth. Uh, Exodus 31, 17, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. The issue, there, there really is no controversy in the Bible at all about creation. It's clear as crystal. Over, spread out through the entire book is a recognition that God created everything. Everything. And there's this, it's, a, it's a solid a doctrine. Uh, the T-I-I-B is, what do you think that is? The issue is the Bible. T-I-I-T-B. The issue is the Bible. So, people believe in evolution, it's, it's really, they don't want to believe that God created everything, because if God created everything, then that means there's a God, and you were created by God, and it makes sense you're going to be held responsible by God, and you're going to be accountable to God. That's what Romans chapter 1 explains perfectly clearly. The reason they don't want God and retain God in their conscience is because they don't want to be accountable to God. They want to go out and do anything they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it without any accountability. How do you do that? You've got to get rid of the judge. But imagine most of you in here have a conscience. You know, a conscience can be seared. If you tell your conscience, your conscience says something's wrong. If you tell your conscience it's right long enough, pretty soon your conscience will just agree with you. It's okay. That's how Theodore Bundy uh, killed over 100 women. The first one he probably had some conscious problems with, or the second one, or the third one, or the fourth one. But eventually he was conscienceless in his murder. He was a ruthless, conscienceless killer, murderer. How did that happen? He had to overcome his conscience. The first one he probably went home and cried about it. Felt bad about it. His conscience was telling him it's wrong. What, what is the whole deal about a conscience is it testifies that someday there's going to be a judgment because you wouldn't have somebody telling you that something's wrong if there's not someday you're going to answer for something. The things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. We know, we know the Bible says so, right? So let me go to the next one. The issue is, is not whether Jesus was virgin born. The issue is the Bible. The Bible says it's clear. 714 Isaiah, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is reinforced again in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. And I like the way it, it finishes up here in the New Testament, in Matthew, in a different language, by the way, Isaiah 7, 14 is in Hebrew, and uh, Matthew 1, 22 is in Greek. It says, being interpreted is God with us. Deity of Christ. Deity of Christ from one end of the Bible to the other. Subtly taught, open face, straight up and down. 2 Timothy 3, 16, I think it is. The greatest mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. That's straight up and down. I mean, that's just the word God, theos, if you look in the Greek. Who was manifest in Jesus? God. He told Philip, 14th chapter of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why are you asking me to show us the Father? I'm God. Yet I have Jehovah's Witness to look me bold face in the eye and say, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So the issue really goes down to, was the Bible true or not? The issue is not abortion, whether abortion is right or wrong, or you don't have to argue the, the fineries or when life starts. Just believe the Bible. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. 
Well, if that's God's way of birthing you and, you and you somehow interrupt that, you've murdered somebody. Potential is as good as real. I still think there's law in the books that if you hit a pregnant woman and the baby dies, that you're convicted of murder, double murder, if they both die. That means they recognize the baby as a human being. I know it's true that you can't break the egg of a, of a bald eagle without getting in trouble. Amen? How many here have had fried bald eagle eggs? My grandfather had a stuffed bald eagle. Before they were illegal to shoot, he shot one, had a stuffed mounted in his house. That's why they eventually protected him because guys were thinking, hey, that's be neat to have one of them. That's the family I come from. Bunch of renegades. But anyways, the issue is not immorality, whether it be moral or not moral. That's really not the issue. Is do you believe what the Bible says about it? What the book says, Acts 15, 20. <laughs> but I write unto you that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication. That's all sorts of immorality. The, the Greek word is pornea. We get our word pornography. And from things strangled from blood. That was the law of the New Testament put by the church. The four laws of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says, Flee fornication. That's pornea. Flee. The word is like fleeing from a fire. Somebody's after you with a knife. You wouldn't just uh, meander away. You would run. Some of you would have trouble running, I know. It's been a long time since you run. When the doctor asks you, do you exercise, you look at him and go, what is that? I walked from here to the car. Does that count? Yeah, that counts. I was asked that today. You exercise, and I looked at the guy and I go, no, I don't have a consistent exercise plan. But I did walk here. They really thought that was good. So in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his wife and let every woman have her husband. That's why we want these single guys to get married. I'm not asking these single guys to get married so they can be miserable. I'm not trying to torment their soul. I don't know what that was, but I'm glad I didn't get it. But anyway, I'm, I'm asking them to get married because the Bible says that. To avoid fornication, let every man have his wife. I don't know why they're dancing around each other so much now. These people, they dance around, they never get together, get married. Oh, I didn't like her haircut. Who cares what hair? That can change. It will change. These guys are telling me they're looking for these beauties. These beauties, these number tens, you know. I said, you don't want a beauty? You want about a number five that knows how to cook like Aunt Jemima, will be loyal to you to, unto death, Amen? They'll be loyal to you. None of you better go say a word here because you're scared to death right now. They'll be they're loyal to death and will work like a dog. Don't ever get, you get a lazy woman, I got sympathy for you. Now, that's all Bible, by the way. Work for the night's coming which no man can work. So anyway, the issue is not homosexuality. They've tried to debate. Oh, you know, people can choose their gender. You can't choose your gender. You know that. 
You can't do that. Romans 1.27, Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meek. In Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. There are 21 abominations in the Bible. Leviticus 20, verse 13, If a man shall also lie with mankind as he lieth, as he, I'm, I'm shifting, for some reason I'm shifting my papers opposite of what I always do, but nevertheless. If he lies with mankind as he does with woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. It don't make any difference what you think. It don't make any difference what I think. The issue is the Bible. The Bible says death penalty for homosexuality. In fact, the first, the violation, these are ten commandments. The first seven of the, of the ten commandments is the death penalty if you violate it. Now that's not a casual violation. That's a wanton and willful violation. That's serious business. Evidently you're not redeemable. If God wants to put you to death, because if you were redeemable, He'd want you to repent and go on. But evidently, some of this stuff, you're not redeemable when you do it. I'm not saying homosexuals can't get saved. I've seen them get saved. The issue is not equal rights, equal rights amendment. We've debated that whole thing. The issue is the Bible. 1 Corinthians 11 3. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. First Timothy 3, 4, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. The man's the ruler of the house. Oh, but my man's given me the authority. He may give you the authority, but he kept it. You with me on that? In other words, he can temporarily tell you to act like him, but he can never tell you to be him. Because he's been given that authority, and nobody else can have that authority. He can give it away. He can let it temporarily be set aside, but not ultimately. That's interesting. Uh, let me go on just before you rise up and throw me out of here. 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. Let a woman learn in silence with all subjection that I have suffered not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Well, that's big among fundamentalists, I'll tell you what. There couldn't be a verse that would rub the cat the, more the wrong way, I think, than that verse right there. To, not today. We're living in a feminist dominated world. Really world. Except where the uh, Arabs are concerned. They, when we went over to Israel, the Arabs tried to shame us as American men. They said, what's wrong with you American men letting your women do that? I said, we didn't let, we all, there was five guys, five of us American. I said, we don't let our women do that. We're the heads of our house. We're the rulers of our house. They said, oh, no, you Americans, you Americans let the women take over, do everything. And you, you, you've gotten out of, out of order. And I said, you don't, no, no. There's still people that believe the Bible and have it in the right order. But they have their view of it, you know. The issue, but the issue is not about equal rights. The issue is, is the Bible true or not? The issue is not spanking your children. Should you spank your children or not spank your children? The issue is, are you going to obey the Bible? Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 22, 15, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13, Withhold not correction from thy child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, thou shalt not, he shall not die. You're not supposed to beat him to death. 
Proverbs 23, 14 says, Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. What you're going to teach him is there's authority out there. You've run into it. I'm spanking you. And if you run into authority, are you okay, brother? You need to call 911? Okay. Dale, go with him. Go, go with him. Go with him. Uh, so the issue is not... You all believe in spanking children? Why do you believe it? The Bible. Because it has nothing to do with philosophy, psychology, whether it works, whether it doesn't work. It has to do, does the Bible say we're supposed to spank our children? We're talking about corporal punishment, physical punishment. The Bible says do it. It says if you hate your child, you won't do it. So when... when uh, you just got to go. So, here we go. The issue is not capital punishment. Remember years ago they debated in Christian circles about remember cap remember when capital punishment was the punishment for murder, rape, violent crimes? Almost every state's done away with that. And and uh, the, there was a heavy debate about that, whether it was really beneficial to 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 have capital punishment. Did it what good did it do? Well, what it did, biblically, what it did is it warned everybody out there that was intending on do, committing those crimes, don't do it or it will cost you your life. But it was even bigger than that. It was an obedience to the Bible. It's bigger than local government. It's bigger than state government. It's bigger than federal government. What's the Bible say? The Bible says do it. Do I have to know all the rights and wrongs about capital punishment? No, I just need to obey the book. He said do it, do it. If a man murders somebody, uh, and he's found guilty, with, with, I like the fact you get, you know, get a trial, you get witnesses, you get 12 jurors, and if you're found guilty, you get to appeal. Nothing wrong with that. You get to appeal. But after all the appeals and everything else, if you're still guilty, then death penalty. People say, what about that once in a while somebody is found out to be innocent? I don't know what to tell you. Other than God himself will have mercy on the boy. But uh, the, the, the punishment, uh, I can't go on any further on that because of time. Let's go on. So the issue is not whether the Bible is true. People say it's the Bible true. Is the Bible true? No, it's the Word of God. It says so of itself. Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Second Peter one twenty twenty one. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is any private interpretation. Also, but the Scripture. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, just in short, in those two verses there, it says God gave the Scriptures. People say, well, do you believe man wrote it? Yeah, I believe man wrote it. Would you believe it more if, if monkeys wrote it? Would you believe it more if, if some other animal he picked up and he just said, okay, you're gonna, he could have done anything. How about, would you believe it more if an angel had written it? But what God wanted to do, it was a book for man. It wasn't a book for angels. And so he said, I'm going to have men write it. And you know what? It's going to be passed down from man to man to man for 2,000 years and still be accurate, still be the Word of God. Why? Because I'm going to preserve it. I'm going to show them that I can take care of my stuff. God has shown that to us for sure. Um, the issue is not whether there was a worldwide flood or whether it was. The issue is the Bible. 
no doubt about it, worldwide. In fact, if you read that book, have you considered, it goes quite a bit of evidence for a worldwide flood. Biblically, it was 15 cubits up, did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered, fountains of the deep broke up. So the Bible's clear on what happened there. Every, every breathing, living flesh was killed except for eight people. Do you believe it? I believe it. I don't have to have a bunch of science to believe it. I believe it because the Bible said, now, what's amazing about believing the Bible, at 18 years old, I began to trust the Bible. I began to read it, pursue it, believe it. I'm 69, and today, so much more of it has been proven true by science. I didn't need that back then, but we got it. I heard the other day they found Noah's Ark. I don't know, one of these days, I wish somebody would find it. I heard they found it. Then I heard they didn't find it. Then I heard they found it. Then I heard they didn't find it. Why do you think God keeps that stuff from being found? Yeah! They'll be selling pieces of Noah's Ark. You know? They'll have it wear it around your neck. You get good luck. Why do you, where do you think the cross of Jesus went and the nails and all that stuff? It's all, that was all... Destroyed by the Romans. They, this, the next guy was crucified on it. The next guy was crucified on it. It was just one of the might. Because people worship. Even that that uh, serpent on a stick that Moses made to save those pe people from the red fiery serpents, they started worshiping that thing. Had to have it destroyed. People like to worship. I'm about done. I'm about done. There's not, it's not whether a, a woman can preach or be a deacon in the church. It's what the Bible says. It's clear. I'm not going to go in verses because there's clear verses on this. The issue is not whether divorce disqualifies one for pastoring or deacon. It's clear on that. It's clear. Husband and one wife. The word one, there's two words for one in Greek. One at a time or one, the first one. And instead of using one at a time, it uses the word for one in Greek, meaning one. The first one. Because after you've been married twice, you've been married twice. After you've been married three times, you've been married three times. You never go back and say, I've been married once. And so God says that the pastor of a church, deacon of a church, got to be a husband of one, the first one. You say, well, I may have things to contribute to the church. Well, you don't need to be a pastor or deacon to contribute to the local church, brother. You can do a great and mighty things just being, how about a bus captain? That's one of the higher callings or Something else is just being wise and helpful, and that's just God's way. I don't have to understand why God did all that. I just need to believe it. I'm going to do it His way and not my way. So, we finish up. The issue is not whether men dress like women or women dress like men. It's forbidden in the Scripture. Absolutely forbidden. The issue is the Bible. The issue is not whether you join forces with the liberal disobedient believers, because the Bible says we're not to even eat with a, a person that's called a believer that's in known wicked sin. Second John says if they don't bring you the doctrine of Christ, if their doctrine's not correct, and you bid them God's speed, you're a partaker of their evil deeds. That's how serious God is about that. You know, so we just can't all hug each other and say, ah, oh, we all believe in Jesus, we're all one. We're not. We're to obey the Bible. And doctrine is important. Because the doctrine is who you are. It's who Jesus is. The issue is not whether rock and roll has a place in the church or your life. The issue is the Bible. You're not, don't reach the world by becoming like the world. That's not the Bible. The Bible has a method for reaching the world, and that's repentance and faith. 
That's telling them they are in sin, unable to save themselves. Christ died for them, was buried and rose again the third day. And if they'll repent and by faith trust in Jesus, they'll be saved. So you really can't be saved without repentance. I know you're going to want to get in an argument and say, Preacher, it says in some places believe. But the word belief and repentance is one coin, and that's repentance on one side, beliefs on the other side, because there's verses I can take you to that only says repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. didn't mention belief. And there's other verses that say, uh, God's love of the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't say repent. That's because it's the same thing. Repentance is an attitude of I'm wrong, God's right, I did wrong, he's right, I've hurt him, I'm sorry for it, I wish I could change it, but I can't. God have, have mercy, I, may tr I won't trust Christ, I have my sins washed away and forgiven. Something like that. It's a spirit. Repentance means to walk the other way. I'm going this way, the world, the devil, the flesh. I, get, I come, I see Jesus, I'm going to go with Jesus. That's what happened to me. I repented and trust Christ as my Savior. So, you don't want to bring the world into the church and pollute it? I mean, why do we have the Old Testament? I'll stop it. Why do we have the Old Testament? We have the Old Testament twice mentioned in the New Testament as an example to us not to commit the same mistakes they made. It's found in the book of Corinthians, book of Romans. One of them is found in Romans 15 for sure. So, twice it says the purpose of the Old Testament. Why do you read the Old Testament? Read the Old Testament to find out what they what you ought not to do for uh, what also what you ought to do and what God's mind is on a whole lot of issues, but also what not to do as a born believer. Amen. I don't want to be like Israel. Well, they do. They brought the junk into the world into the worship of Jehovah, mixed them together, and said we're worshiping Jehovah. And God hated it. He rejected them. He had the enemies that hated them come in and take them over. He does not appreciate it today anymore. Than he did then. And it won't ever fly. You cannot color it. You cannot flavor it where God is going to enjoy it. He will not. The issue is not whether abortion is a woman's choice. The issue is the Bible. The choice was getting pregnant. My mother, you know, she's old time Swede. She said, if you don't want to have any kids, don't have any sex. That was a pretty simple solution, wasn't it? Very simple solution. Practical. You will be judged by the Bible before Jesus and all heaven. In, in Revelation 20, 12, And I saw the dead, small, and great stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. What is, that, what is those books? I wonder if that's the 66 books of the Bible. The books were open. Well, Paul says you're going to be judged by his gospel. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, he wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. Uh, we see in Luke there, you know, on the, on the uh, you know, Lazarus, the rich man, rich man lifts up his eyes in hell, being in torments. He tries to get Lazarus to send his five brothers, or actually tries to get Abraham to send his five brothers back to warn, to send Lazarus. I'm going to get this right. To send Lazarus back to warn his five brothers so that they don't come into that place. Makes sense. Do people in hell care about people going to there? Yes, they don't want anybody to come there. 
And here's the answer that was astounding, Luke 16, 31. He said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The authority of the Bible. He puts them right back to the Bible. When Jesus was tempted of Satan, where'd he go? Authority. It wasn't his words that he quoted. Jesus did not quote his words. He quoted the Word of God. The same Word of God you got. Same Word of God I got. He quoted the Bible to the devil. That's how powerful it is. The issue, folks, in, in Christianity really is, do you believe the Bible's Word of God? Father, help us tonight. Thank you for a few minutes together. Help us to meditate over these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.